Well, we are in this series, Waiting Tables. This is the conclusion, actually, of the series, Waiting Tables. And in this series, we've been talking about these seven faithful followers of Jesus that were selected to take care of something that had been neglected a bit in the church. It was the feeding of those who, who needed assistance, who needed help being fed. And they uh, selected seven people that were known, they were full of the spirit and wisdom, and they pinpoint some details about two of those individuals in the following passages. They dialogue about uh, Stephen, which we looked at in week two, and then Philip, which we looked a little last week, and we're going to dive in fully today because we get to witness Somebody who went from a mundane task, waiting tables, to a marvelous, like miraculous moments in his life. And he's just a normal follower of Jesus like you or I. He's, he's not uh, some supernatural, like crazy person. He's just a follower of Jesus, full of the spirit and wisdom. And this is what is possible. This is what is modeled for us in scripture as being those who as well can share the gospel and full of power. Before that though, on the flip side, there's some characters or really something that we should catch in this. If you today walk through the door and you're not following Jesus, you're just exploring and trying to figure this thing called faith out, and, and uh, you're looking for some fresh life, but maybe you're pretty sure there's no way God could forgive you because your life is just too messy, right? Uh, I was that guy. I've been there. And you walk in and you're just hurting maybe a little today. Well, listen to this text through that lens, because God's going to show the length that he's willing to go through and to in order to come and meet you right where you're at. He's sending people to your world right now. You're not here by mistake. Uh, what he's doing in and through your life is very on purpose and he's excited to touch your world today. So uh, that's pretty much what we can grab a whole bunch of things like that out of this text. So let's just read it. Acts 8, 26. It's a little bit of length here. We'll go to verse 40, but let's jump in. It says, As for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, Go south down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out and he met the treasurer of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under the Kandaki, the queen of Ethiopia. The eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship. And he was now returning, seated in his carriage. He was reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah. The Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and walk along beside the carriage. Philip ran over and heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. Philip asked, do you understand what you are reading? And the man replied, how can I unless someone instructs me? He urged Philip to come up into the carriage and sit with him. The passage of scripture he had been reading was this. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. He was humiliated and, recovered no, and received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, was this prophet talking about himself or someone else? 
So beginning with this same scripture, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. As they rode along, they came to some water. The eunuch said, look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? And he ordered the carriage to stop. They went down to the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away, and the eunuch never saw him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Meanwhile, Philip found himself farther north at the town of Azotus, and he preached the good news there and in every town along the way until he came to Caesarea. Quite the many marvelous, miraculous, supernatural, whatever you want to call them, moments occur here in the middle of this, this scene, which are incredibly powerful. When you're talking about the mundane to the marvelous, Philip, I think, is the ultimate example. And this series was inspired by the conclusion of ultimately those passages we just read. Because we want to empower each of you to have the opportunity to find yourself someday in a moment with someone in your world that gives their life to Jesus and says, you got a hot tub? Why don't we go back there and take care of this? Your small group goes out and you pray and you're like, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. How cool would that be? I can't wait for those stories to arise. But I'm getting ahead of myself. In fact, point three. So let's reverse and get back to the beginning of this talk. Because our focus today is this. We want to explore the life of Philip ultimately because he's our example of what it looks like to live life full and faithful. Full and faithful. I mean, Philip goes from waiting tables to being scattered with the followers of Jesus because of persecution in the church. He finds himself sharing the gospel all around the place. He finds himself uh, being visited by the angel of the Lord. He finds himself being uh, commanded by the Holy Spirit. He finds himself literally being caught up, being snatched from the presence of that water baptism. If you've ever seen any of our water baptisms, you know, we, we make a deal of it. We've got shirts on. We've got the pool out. Uh, it usually decides to rain that day. <laughs> no. Uh, we, you know, are, are celebrating and cheering. And can you imagine going in the water and coming back up and the per person baptizing you is just like, gone. You're like, that was cool. Where did he go? But they never saw him again. I mean, you got to think, this is a miraculous Kidnapping by the Holy Spirit, right? He's just snatched and transported to another community. And Philip's like, whoa, that was cool, right? Uh, it, it, this is not a made-up story. This happens. There's stories like it that have happened since. He finds himself revealing the gospel and reaching out to so many from city to city. Philip, what an incredible story of a follower of Jesus that finds himself in these, these moments, he was full of the Holy Spirit and faithful to the direction given him in his life at any given moment. He was just radically obedient. How cool was it that the angel of the Lord says first to him, go. 
There wasn't a conversation like maybe some of the occurrences in the Old Testament, like, hey, and he's like, ah, do not be afraid. It wasn't that moment. It was just like, go. Even the Holy Spirit, even the angel of the Lord knew the tendency towards obedience and faithfulness in Philip's life. There was no fluff. There was no conversation introduction, casting off of fear. It was just go. Just a quick command. And Philip just obediently, instantly, urgently goes into action. I think sometimes God is just saying, do something in our world, right? We're, we're resisting. Maybe we even sense that nudge to go. And, and, and the Holy Spirit just wants some of us in this world. He actually wants all of us. But some of us have the tendency to just be radically obedient and go, sure, I'll, okay, I'll go. Let's do this. It's going to be crazy. Philip was one of those guys. He would do something. He would go somewhere. He didn't ask where. He didn't ask for, you know, define what I'm going to do. It was just go. Matthew 28, Jesus concludes his, his ministry uh, on earth ultimately with a great commission to his disciples. And he says in Matthew 28, 19, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you and be sure of this, I'm with you even to the end of the age. Go. I just think it's this common challenge we should allow to compel us to action. The interesting place that Philip was first challenged to go, a desert road. Doesn't sound very inviting, does it? Wasn't go to the city. Yes, where all the people are. I want to be where the people... Oh, I'm sorry, I couldn't resist. Uh, but it's just, you know, it's like, I want to go to the cities, or I'm going to go do something big, or this is an incredible moment. No, it was more like, into the unknown. No, I, just, I couldn't resist. This is not in my notes. This is just how my brain works. I'm sorry I brought you with it. You just ended up there. It's messed up in there. Sorry. Not very inviting, the desert road. It's this place that maybe Philip immediately has a flashback. He knew scripture enough to explain the gospel from Isaiah, which, which this treasurer was desiring to know. So if he knew scripture good enough, then he was very aware of the stories of desert throughout the Bible. Man, well, the, the people of Israel, God's people, had to wander in the desert for like Years, did Philip do something wrong that he's getting sent to the desert? Maybe he was aware Jesus had to, to fast and, and pray for 40 days and found himself in the desert. Maybe, you know, he's having these, if I were Philip and the Holy Spirit says, go to the desert road. Well, here it is. I'm going to be alone for a while. It's just me and God. I wonder what Philip's attitude was like in that moment. I seriously do. Because this moment was not that intriguing or inviting or fancy or incredible. Even though we could see the desert story of Elijah in the Old Testament where he had to drink out of a stream and be fed by ravens when God sent him to the desert. Was he about to experience something? What was Philip's anticipation? 
I don't know, but where he finds himself is in the desert. And maybe you feel like you're following Jesus faithfully, like you're reading your Bible every day or praying, and God says to you, it's desert time. What, God? Huh? You pray for a baby, you're one. No baby. I'll get emotional because we went through the same journey. You're two. No baby. You're three. Hope's up. No baby. That's a desert. That's a desert. You feel all out there on your own. It's a dry season. You've been faithful, but you're in the desert? Or maybe today you know, well, sorry to admit it, Pastor, but I'm not faithful. <laughs> like, I am in the desert for a reason. I think I got punished here, right? Some of us could raise our hands at seasons like that and just go, no, I'm positive I'm in the desert for a reason. And I don't know Jesus, but yet I'm still here in the desert and I'm kind of longing for a way out. This is good news to you because God's willing to send his most faithful to you. God's willing to send his most faithful into any place around. You're in a great place here at Open Life because many of us have been in the desert <laughs> and we're willing to go to the desert to share the love of God with you. God loves you so much that he would send one of the most prized followers of Jesus to a place where you can intersect. Where is God sending us to intersect? He's going to scatter the church or he's going to at least utilize this opportunity now that the church is scattered. He turns all things for good. He doesn't necessarily make the bad things happen, right? But since the church was scattered, God said, well, since they're scattered, boom, let's do some miraculous, marvelous things through all these followers of Jesus as they spread out. And this amazing moment occurs. Maybe Philip got all of this and understood why he was there. And he, because for some reason, this guy was urgent, right? When he was told to go, he started out, kind of like Abraham in, in the Old Testament. He's just like, didn't know where Abraham was being sent. Abraham went faithfully. Same with Philip. Man, I'm just, okay, I started out. The Holy Spirit says, go to that chariot. He doesn't just make his way to the chariot. He runs. I just, I pray that our faith could be so urgent, that our love for people who need Jesus could be so powerful that we would run, that we would have an urgency. He understood what God wants all of us in the room to get today. And so it brings up some thoughts we're going to rattle through here. Thought one, the Holy Spirit is already working in people's lives. The Holy Spirit is already working in people's lives. You're not here discovering the links of God's love for you by accident. He knows what you're going through and what you're uh, attempting to understand. Uh, the Ethiopian is already exploring faith. The Ethiopian made a long journey for a greater understanding of this God of Israel. Already reading scripture, the Holy Spirit needed a faithful follower of Jesus to come alongside the curious in this moment. And the Holy Spirit needs each of us to come along people 
today that are the same. They're processing faith, life. They're trying to understand it. Ephesians 2.10 says, we're God's masterpiece. It's good news for all of us, right? And he has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can go do the things he planned for us long ago. Like we're here to do the things he planned for us long ago. He's been at work already in the lives of those around us. Consider the the people around this Ethiopian. I mean, there's an entourage. This is the treasurer of an, a region of Ethiopia, and, and he was of high wealth and responsibility. So there were many people with him. He was returning from spending time learning about God, a God that he could never truly follow from his Old Testament understanding because he wasn't a Jew. He was never going to inherit eternal life as far as he was aware. He was going to just know God from a distance. He wanted to know God more, but he didn't know how. The Ethiopian invited, in fact, I love the word used here in this New Living Translation, urged. He urged Philip to explain the passage. Philip was at the right place at the right time. No, you're never at the right place at the right time. The Holy Spirit takes you to the right place at the right time. It's not a coincidence. This is a plan of God's for people he loves that think they're forever distanced from him. God had softened the heart of this Ethiopian and made him even aware of Philip's presence. It's not like Philip ran up and said, hey, I'm here. I'm your gift. I'm the gift to all people who need knowledge of Scripture. No, he was just there, and somehow the eyes of the Ethiopian were open. His heart was open to the Scripture, and he urged Philip to come in. And I love that because I think one of our roles in the world around us is to help people have softened hearts. How do we do that? We pray for them. We pray for our community. We pray for our neighbors. We pray for those who live right around us. We pray for our city. We pray for people when we see them. God, soften their heart. But boy, they have a complete different perspective of life and politics than me. Pray for them. Don't post about them. Pray for their hearts. Pray for your heart to see from their perspective. That's daring. Okay, that's a dangerous prayer. Sorry. Don't mean to. This is why one of the most powerful things we can be doing is praying for a softened heart so that God's word can get into their heart. You can read about the seed that's sown, and sometimes it hits hard ground and, and fertile ground. We want hearts to be ready to receive this understanding of the gospel when it's explained to them. And when Philip jumps in that chariot and begins to explain the gospel, this guy receives it. His heart was softened. It was softened by probably the reading of Scripture, but I'm sure there was somebody praying for people who had yet to know Jesus, to know Jesus, and this was one. Some of you are here today because your hearts were softened by people praying for you. Uh, God, knew, God knew this was the right moment for you ultimately to walk into church and brought all these other people around to come alongside you. In fact, church is an opportunity for people to come alongside people and grow in a relationship with Jesus, have a fresh encounter with God, sing songs that open and soften our heart so we're ready to receive 
from the word of God when we open it because it's alive and it gets into us. God brings us together so we can walk alongside each other. Church is so much bigger than our own experience. If, if you've been walking through the doors just to receive yourself, realize that God actually brought you here in church so that you can not only receive, but so that you could be aware of everybody else in the room around you. And that you can start to take up their desires of their heart and pray for each other. We should not rush to exit when service is over. Just This is free. It's not in Acts, but I'm just saying. It's okay to talk to one another. A theater environment lends itself to the, the, the okay, the movie's over. I'm going to exit now and walk out, and I don't talk to anybody, and I take my popcorn bowl. No, that's not, one, they don't let us have popcorn in here. But two, uh, the reality is we can talk to one another, say hello to somebody, because someone here may just be that Ethiopian today that needs a voice. Somebody might just need that urge, that nudge, that touch before they open up their heart to God. Uh, if we're not willing to take the time here to be aware of those around us, really likely we're not going to be able to take that time when we're having a meal in the community or we're going grocery shopping and, and we see somebody who we want, want the Holy Spirit to bring us alongside we're probably going to resist there more than we resist here. So let's open our hearts. This is a great practicing territory. And it's powerful. And I can testify to that. Because when I first came to church, I was broken. I was in a bad place on a bad day. And I walked in and I sat in the very back. And this guy named Bob, he was my Philip. Bob Blair noticed me crying in the back row under a balcony in the church. And he approached me before I could escape at the end of service real quick because I made a dart for it. And he said, are you okay? With, you know how when you can tell somebody's emotional and, and you're trying not to cry with them, you're holding it back, you're trying not to fully give in and cry but you want to show compassion and you know you get just a little water going? That was Bob. Are you okay? Like I could tell his care was genuine. This was not his assignment. This was his heart. And I was just like, I'll be okay. I wasn't okay. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't okay for about six months after that. But I was just like so valued that. He approached, and, and it brought me back the next week, probably more so than what I experienced in the service. You're a powerful presence in somebody's life. That's what we're seeing in Philip. Like that Ethiopian eunuch needed Philip as much as he needed the understanding of the Scripture. And you can be that Philip in people's lives. Thought two, we got to take time to know Scripture. Honestly, if we love God, but we don't take time to, to read the Bible on a consistent basis and get to know Scripture and actually inconvenience ourselves to learn and understand what God's trying to tell us in Scripture, then we won't be able to explain the Scripture if somebody ever asks us, man, what is this saying? Some people, that's their worst nightmare, their faith nightmare. I don't know all the answers. 
I always say you don't have to know all the answers. The best answer, if you don't know the answer, is that's a great question. Man, let's get back together and figure that out. And then you get on your computer or your phone and you text one of us here on staff. I have no idea what this person's saying. But the chances are, when you're reading scripture regularly, the Holy Spirit will all of a sudden help you connect the dots in that moment. I'm shocked how many times I'm reading through scripture and I'm even convicted to memorize a passage and that day God brings me on the path of somebody who needs that passage. So I would just encourage you, time in scripture equals an opportunity to unpack it to someone who's desperate to understand it. And Philip which we already knew he was full of the spirit and wisdom and, and he was known in the church. We knew he, he qualified to be one of the seven, right? So we knew he had been pretty learned already. But we need to challenge ourselves to be that. We need to grow in wisdom. We need to grow in understanding. So get ourselves on a Bible plan. There's some amazing, I'm gonna post a, a video on the Open Life Facebook page about the value of reading your Bible at least four times in a week. It's crazy what it can do in your life. So I, I, I watch for that later this week. Uh, but I look at this and I go, we need to be in our Bible. We need to be in environments like small groups where we can sharpen each other, ask questions about what God is doing in our life, have a dialogue we need to make sure we're in spaces that grow us. Sundays alone will not do it because we need to be prepared to give an answer. Here's a couple great passages that should challenge us. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. That's really any of us should be able to correctly handle the word of truth. Once we make a decision to follow Jesus, we need to start to grow that relationship with Jesus so we can handle the truth. You can't handle the truth. I'm full of movie quotes today. 1 Peter 3.15 says, Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. So when we can handle the truth and we can explain our faith and connect those dots, we're like Philip. Man, I can take wherever somebody's questioning and I can point them to the gospel, the hope in a relationship with Jesus from that point. Thought three, we can't lose the simplicity of the gospel and baptism. I think sometimes we make things so grandiose and we make a production out of uh, of things, or you can watch YouTubes on how to present the gospel and have to memorize like a 20-minute strategy, and, and you draw a circle and, and a cliff and a cross, and, a, and, you, to get to, and we get so in the system of it that we're like, we can't, we lose them. We lose them before we can tell them about Jesus. So I look at this and just go, man, we've made it. We need to take a step back and just say, God loves you sent his son for you. And in fact, it's, his son said that, that any of you could choose to follow him. And he challenged us to challenge people to follow him. And, and, and once they follow him, that first step is baptism. Baptizing in water. So why should I not be baptized? There's, a, there's lots of puddles out today. <laughs> you know, it's just like, come on. It's so simple. 
We can see Peter when the church was just starting. Jesus had ascended into heaven. The disciples had been filled with the Holy Spirit. They'd been praying. Just this massive moment of, uh, uh, of supernatural encounter with God happens. And in Acts 2.38, Peter gives an answer of what they should do with this Jesus who was just crucified and resurrected and ascended into heaven. This is his answer in verse 38. Each of you must repent of your sins, turn to God, and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you, to your children, to those who are far away, and all who have been called by the Lord our God. How easy was that? He didn't go back and set up this huge system of craziness. He just said, no, simply repent, repent, which means turn around. Simply turn to God, run to your heavenly father. Ultimately, he's welcoming you home with open arms and be baptized. Oh, and by the way, you're going to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, which is going to give you the strength and power to do all the things you'll ever be challenged to do with your faith. There's power to do everything that Acts 6 through 8 has taught us in the last four weeks. All is through seeking God and being filled with his Holy Spirit. I, I just, how easy is that? That's our goal is to share the gospel. That's our goal. And our empowerment to be baptized. And I know we put a pool up and we've got video cameras and we love to do this public declaration of our faith in Jesus, which water baptism is kind of that wedding of the church, right? It's that moment where we're all saying, uh, we've made a, a confession of Jesus' death and his resurrection. That's water baptism, right? We identify ourselves with his death and his resurrection. It's public. We're celebrating as a church. It's an incredible moment. But why wait for that if there's an urgency when your small group's meeting and somebody's like, I'm ready to be baptized right now. Fill the tub, get her done, right? In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's all you need to know. Actually, if you want to coach them to plug their nose, it might help. You know, you don't want to kill anybody in your bathtub. If open life empowered you to kill, that's not the message. Disclaimer, we're not empowering you to drown people. Pick them back up. You've got to bring them back up out of the water. But yeah, the reality is we're empowered to do that as followers of Jesus. You don't have to have a special license. It's incredible to celebrate in a huge group, but you don't need that special license. Our action thought is simple. Be filled and be faithful. Be filled with the Holy Spirit and be faithful. Therefore, we must give our lives to Jesus and empowerment that happens through the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, we receive his spirit in us when we confess Jesus as Lord, but then he fills us with power, he says in Acts 1, so we can go and be witnesses, so that we can share the gospel and be faithful when the Holy Spirit says, go, we go, or maybe we run. We're supposed to go. Ask God to guide your steps when you wake up in the morning. God, let this be a day where you order my steps and let me be faithful. Who knows? Maybe he'll shorten your commute. You'll get on 167 and all this, next thing you know, you're in Seattle. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. If we could 
bottle that. Oh, wait, Jaden talked about buying things last week. It doesn't work out well, so never mind. You can't buy that and market that. But just the reality of be faithful to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Don't hold back when you sense that nudge. Go sit with that person. Students at lunchtime, when you feel that nudge at school, see that student over there alone? Sit alongside them. You should sense that's the Holy Spirit. Don't question it. You're fully empowered to lead someone to Jesus, and if desired, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And if you're here today, and you're exploring, if you're the Ethiopian today, if you're the one who's wondering if it's too late, if you just will never be able to be saved, it's not too late. God knew you were going to be here. He's, his arms are wide open for you. He wants to love on you today. And I would challenge you, choose to follow Jesus today. And he will uh, go to never-ending links to make his love known for you. And that's why we all gather. Let's pray together. Could you stand with me while we pray? God, we thank you. Thank you for what you're challenging each of us to do in and through our faith. I pray that what we've covered over the last four weeks would show each of us that, man, we, as we grow our relationship with you, you're going to challenge us and empower us to do some awesome things. How cool is it that we can find ourselves in a moment of obedience to the Holy Spirit alongside people who need your love, who need to know they're not lost, they're not too far off, and you'll take us to the desert road if it be to bring your grace and love. It changed my life that someone did that. And I pray that we could live more aware of those that we need to come alongside. Because it's gonna be an incredible encounter for both of us if we do. If you're here today and you've yet to invite Jesus into your life to be your Lord and Savior, I wanna I want just give you a moment to pause here and think about making that decision. If you would simply say, Jesus, come into my life. I want you to be my Lord and Savior. Your life will begin to change like that Ethiopians changed that day. God, may this always be a place where people are finding and following Jesus and where we're faithful to walk alongside them, baptizing them, leading them to great experiences with you. And we give you praise for opening up these scriptures to our lives in Jesus' name. Amen. The worship team's gonna sing a song. I want you to, to let it get into you.